the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. Glad to have you listening in again this week. I'm here with my friend Danny Smith. I am Ben South, and we are glad that you as a Chair 2 Leader or someone who works with Chair 2 Leaders is here for our conversation today. Danny, how are you? Hey, Ben. I'm good. Always glad to be with you. Uh, I know it's a a busy season for you. Um, I think you did some state convention stuff and it is mission that trip stuff and season. volleyball tournament stuff. So you're a, you're a traveling man. We've been uh, keeping the roads hot. Let's just say that lately. So we actually, we're recording this and tomorrow I will be leaving uh, the country for a week. So we will be um, kind of indisposed for a little bit, which is good because I can't get all the phone calls where we're going. That's I right. have great phone service. So I don't mind that part of it. So. <laughs> it's, it's a built-in advantage right when it you go is. to a place uh to uh kind of be out of cell range it's uh it's not a bad thing sometimes it is i i don't mind that part of it so good but, good you know something else i don't mind and that is our sponsor central baptist college they yes, are i do not mind great, great partner for our podcast cbc in conway arkansas has great options for you to complete your degree, to start your degree and get training for ministry or countless other fields that they have uh, opportunity for you to get your education. So go check them out today at Central Baptist College at Conway, Arkansas, cbc.edu. They'll assign you an admissions counselor. They'll help you get to know CBC and see how you can accomplish all your goals through education with them. So check them out at Central Baptist College. So Danny, last week we talked about uh, baptism, well, those two ordinances, how we do that, some of the practical sides of it. This week, we're going to talk that other ordinance that most Baptist churches uh, practice is communion or the Lord's Supper. So let's just talk through today some of the things that you have done or seen or that are tips for leading that service. Now, you've served as a lead pastor, so you've led in this as maybe the only person on staff doing it. So you have a, a unique insight there. And so maybe you could give some tips for someone who maybe is leading as a second chair leader or uh, maybe their senior leaders away and you're having to fill in and do that. What are some tips that you would give uh, just initially for someone who may be leading their first communion service? Yeah, you know, anytime you do it for the first time or you play a, a little more major role, um, you know, for me, it's always it's always language. It's always uh, making sure that you know I don't turn Catholic or something like that while I'm trying to say everything. So, um, you know, one thing that uh, that I've done over the years with some guys uh, that are on staff is is we script it out. I think there's nothing wrong with scripting it out. Um, you know, if you're going through a uh, sermon class at a Bible college or seminary, you're going to hear about manuscripting, and so I think there's something to be said about scripting out. Um, your language, even your movements, because, you know, um, in a very traditional sense, when it's the pastor and perhaps the deacons that are up there with him or the pastor and the the staff and then the deacons, um, I I think being able to script out your language and script out your movement with everybody beforehand is absolutely uh, a critical part of it, because then it doesn't leave anybody guessing. People know where they should be moving, where they should be walking. And so, yeah, I mean, as simple as that sounds, I think one of the biggest things that helped me was 
either that Sunday afternoon, maybe sometime that week before I would sit down and go, here's what I'm going to say. Here's the scripture I'm going to use. Um, you know, when you're trying to fumble through your Bible up there, um, okay, where do I put my Bible on the table? How do I pick it up and hand it? If you just map that out, script that out, both language and movement, I think it's going to allow you to be a lot more relaxed, especially uh, until it becomes something of old hat. You know, I tend to go with the same scriptures. I tend to go with the same um, this, uh, yeah, same movements. I rarely change it up. There's been times over the years we've had families come down and take, uh, but more times than not, it's the same movement, the same language, simply because it is something that I think, A, people um, in particular places can get very used to how it should look. Um, we have a mutual friend there uh, in the town that you're in where they do like a full meal as their Lord's Supper. And so that's a very unique thing, um, or at least they used to, let me put it that way. Um, and then I've got friends that do it every Sunday. Uh, but I think uh, one of the things that's helped me over the years, both in, in leading it and then helping others lead it, hey, let's script out the language, let's script out to the movement. So that way everybody's on the same page. Does your pianist know how to, I mean, is she going to stop playing and eat? Is she going to take it before? Like, what's that going to look like? Who's going to get it to her? What about people in the nursery? So getting that all down on paper and helping people understand that uh, is, is critical because, you know, Ben, I've been to churches and uh, they're like, oh yeah, well, our last pastor didn't do it that way. So that way you just, you take a lot of the guesswork out. Maybe that's the simplest thing. Just take the guesswork out, settle on a script, get your language right. So that way, you're just a lot more relaxed. That would be, I think, as unspiritual as that sounds, I think it's one of the best things you can do. Yeah, and you might even could go practice with the the trays. If you're using the traditional trays, go in there and practice. Go to the table that you're going to use and say, okay, do I have room to put my Bible down? Do I have room for these other things? And where am I going to do that? What do I need to do? How do I need to pick it up? Pick it up with which hand? If I'm going to take the lid off, am I going to hand the tray to someone else? Just practice handling those yes. elements will be helpful so you're not fumbling trying to figure it out in the moment. Well, and when you put all the, and, and we, <laughs> when you put all the juice in, because let's face it, that's all we use as Baptists is the juice. But uh, when you put the juice in, those things get heavy. And the last thing you want to do is drop that, mm -hmm. fumble that, um, I think it's awkward enough to try to hand it down a, a row of chairs or down a pew and let people handle it that way. So, uh, yeah, I mean, get used to handling those elements so that way it's not a surprise to you when you pick it up and go, wow, this is heavier than I thought. Or I was expecting to be heavier and I just slung it at the guy. And, um, and, and, and plus, it never fails. One of the deacons, if you kind of go the old traditional route of the pastor and the deacon standing at the front or something similar one's going to be aloof. Like they're going to, oh yes, yeah, this, this is me. You know, so you need to, you need something to get everybody on the same page and, uh, and be a part of it. Yeah. One of the things we do, I know you, you mentioned, you know, how do you get the instrumentalists? Because we, we go ahead and pre-position the elements for most of the people who are serving during the service, instrumentalists, vocalists, sound team, anyone who's not in the regular seats, we pre-position, we'll take a juice to them, we'll take a bread up there, put it in another little cup, that way it's ready and we're not having to figure out, oh yeah, who's going to go take it to them, who's going to go over to the piano and take it, so we just put it there, it's ready, you know, they can take it. Another thing that we've done, and I, we don't do it every time, I wish we would do it more because I really liked it, the passing out of the elements sometimes can be a awkward 
time. Now, I like it because it's also a time when you can reflect on your own heart, your own life, your own condition, your own relationship with Christ. We've often used that time as part of the music. We've done songs. We've sung a Christmas carol during the passing out of the elements, then had a time to pause for reflection before observing those elements. So that was a little thing we've done. I really like. I don't know why we don't do it more. I don't lead the planning on our communion services. But um, there's all those kind of things that you can practice and just kind of walk through it. Know what you're going to say, when you're going to say. Um, don't just fumble through. Be prepared when you get there. Now, Danny, yeah. a question for you when you were pastoring the churches, how often did you observe communion? And then again, how often do you think a church should? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to take the easy road out first and say I don't think there's one right answer for it. You know, I think if you go to a church and they expect it every fifth Sunday, then do it every fifth Sunday. What I tried to do is I tried to make it just as meaningful as possible. So there were some years we did it more times than others. I would always try to aim for that um, uh, quarterly some point. But what I wanted to do instead of relegating it to like, oh, by the way, Sunday night, we're going to have the Lord's Supper as a tag on to the end of the day. Um, I think it, it, it's, it's a matter of trying to make it very meaningful. So I tried to approach it like, hey, here's some Sundays I definitely want to do the Lord's Supper on. I want to do it somewhere around Easter, whether that's on a Good Friday service whether that is uh, actually on Easter Sunday, whether it's the Sunday before Easter, something around Easter, and then certainly around Christmas, right? So I really wanted to cover those bases, a Christmas Eve service, uh, maybe a Christmas Day if it's on Sunday, somewhere right around there. I wanted to emphasize uh, the Lord's Supper because I just think people are generally more open to spiritual things in those two seasons, and it was really helpful. And then the other times I wanted to try to, as I planned out my preaching and teaching schedule. I tried to plan it accordingly where it would look like it would fit in with maybe where the sermon series is going. So especially if you're preaching through the Gospels, there are times if you're preaching through Paul's letter to Corinthians, there's ways to go, hey, this is a natural built-in way. So I think you look at very significant days through the year. What days, what times do you know, hey, it would be very meaningful to do the Lord's Supper here. And then where does it fit in with my preaching and teaching? And then that allowed me to kind of go, you know what? I just happen to be preaching through the book of first Corinthians right around the same time as Easter. So I don't necessarily want to repeat. So maybe this summer we're going to do something. And I think that's where some of the freedom comes in because maybe you're doing a church picnic and you do something a little different with communion there. I think your schedule needs to try to maximize the meaning and the beauty and the value of the Lord's Supper um, again, you may go to a very traditional church where they just expect it on the fifth Sunday and to do it something, it, it may take a while to kind of move some things around. But um, I know the first church I ever pastored, and I think I went the first year and I had a uh, elderly gentleman sometime around the, the end of the year, first of the new year. Uh, great, great guy, by no means critical at all. He, uh, he just came up to me and uh, we were talking after service. He goes, by the way, he said, uh, how comfortable do you feel doing the Lord's Supper? I went, oh, I think I'd be fine. He goes, well, we haven't had it since you've been here. And I went, wow, you're right. I, I didn't even think about it. Like it literally just didn't enter my mind. And so sometimes um, it's good to talk to folks in your church and go, hey, what is your what, what are some of the expectations for the Lord's Supper around here? And if they're like, oh, it's just an add-on, it's just a tag along, find ways to make it meaningful and helpful. So yeah, look at special times in the year. Think about your preaching and teaching series, and then just in a practical way, go, 
I need to have it over the course of the year. Yeah, I think that's good. I think our church, if I was to be honest, and I don't know if we have any of our church members listen or not, and if they were listening, if I was talking to them, I'd tell them the same thing. I don't think we take the Lord's Supper enough. We are we are very uh, structured in the times that we do it. We do it at Easter and we do it at Christmas. Um, I wish we did it more. But I think there is also that you can go to the other extreme where every time you're meeting, sometimes it loses the meaning, I think, if it's just another part of the service and it's not a special thing. So I think there's a balance there between doing it every week where it just becomes mundane and routine. And almost on the other end, when you do it so seldomly that it becomes almost like a sacrament that, hey, we've got to, we have to do this because we're not going to have another opportunity. And if, if we don't do this now, this is the only time we're going to get to do it this year. So it almost becomes like a, a, I don't know how to describe it. Like a, it's like an act of the Christian faith that if you, I don't do this, my faith's in question type of approach to it. I, and I don't know that anybody just outright says that or thinks that, but I know sometimes how it's approached with some people that it, you get that idea. So I think a church needs to achieve a balance there where it, you maintain that specialness of it that you, because you do it often enough, you know, the specialness of it, but it doesn't, go to either extreme where it's so seldom that it becomes a we worship the act itself and so frequent that it becomes mundane yeah no i totally agree i mean there's it's like baptism right i think sometimes and primarily i know our audience are baptist guys like ourselves certainly there might be some others listening but at least in baptist life we're so fearful of making baptism and lord's supper sacramental or more salvific what's the right word salvific is that a word let's go with it so uh you know that that we're afraid to make too much of it and so yeah i think if we can just understand help folks understand the the meaning the beauty the value it is to our christian faith what we're visualizing what we're seeing um, it, it can really add a lot um, to people as they consider how to follow Christ, what that means. You know, you think of Paul's admonition to the church, don't take it in an unworthy manner. Now, when I was growing up, that was sort of the guilt trip time, right? You know, make sure you confess all your sin. And I think there's certainly an element there to make sure uh, that we are, are, are not just openly sinning and just, uh, you know, neglecting the, the, the things of holiness, but I think also it reminds us, hey, there's something valuable out. Like you said, some people do it so often it has no value. Some people do it so seldom it creates this false value to it that I think the meaning behind it has to be kept in balance for uh, folks to see. And again, everybody's different. Like you said, at your church, maybe a couple of times a year, um, churches that are more liturgical certainly tend to do it a lot more often. But Ben, do you guys as a church on a on a practical matter, do you guys uh, as a staff participate or is it typically your senior pastor and the deacons that do it? How do you guys um, handle that in a multi-staff church? Typically at our church, it has been the lead pastor and deacons serving. Um, there, We've done it a few times where the pastors have led parts of the service like uh a different pastor would lead each part of the element. Some would do scripture reading. And so we would all participate in some way. We've done it a couple of different ways. Typically though, it's lead pastor and deacon serving. So I, I have mixed feelings. I remember growing up, there was a, one of the cool things that we did at a little church, well, it wasn't a tiny church, but that 
at Christmas we had communion and every family came to the front of the altar walked down to the middle aisle of the church and the pastor prayed right there at the at the altar with every family they came as a family and then after the pastor prayed with that family they would go to the side to a table where the deacons would serve the lord's supper at, to their family and that was a neat thing i remember that sticking out in my memory from nearly 35 years ago probably um so that was a, a neat thing it's we've done a couple of things to kind of make it a different so it's not just the same routine over and over and I think when you can change things like that, it helps people notice things and notice parts of it. They become more aware because it's different. It's not what you've always done. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think those elements are what are, are important, right? Understanding, you know, what the bread, what the juice, what the, uh, what the timing for is all about. But yeah, I think there's various ways we can do it. I think we have some freedom in that. I, I mentioned earlier that uh, that there's a church uh, that I know it. And again, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to kind of consider uh, a family meal type thing. Now, I don't know if the pastor meant that at that family meal, he then does something unique for maybe the Lord's supper portion of that, or if they consider the just community of the communion. But yeah, I think there's some freedom because what, again, we're trying to emphasize, right? The, the, uh, the death of Christ, uh, the blood that he shed for us. Like we're going to, you know, one thing we, have started doing over the years is, and I know a lot of churches do this, but we'll sing, uh, uh, we'll just end the service with the Lord's Supper, and then we'll all walk out of the church singing Amazing Grace, and I would kind of start singing that and, and, and lead out of the sanctuary, and that was the end of the service, and you know, you just, there's different ways to do it, and um, I think this brings up uh, maybe a, another point to it is maybe not just timing of it, and maybe not just the way it's done, but I would think even how do you involve it in the planning of the worship service? I think one of the disservices we do, again, is tagging it on at the end and everybody's ready to go or it's a Sunday night, nobody's coming back. You know, as you think about as a chair two leader, either A, possibly, you know, you stepping into a senior pastor role one day or you're involved in the planning of your worship services. It's OK, I think, to give up other elements of your service in order to do the Lord's Supper well. For example, if you're a four four songs, a choir special, five, 10 minutes of announcements, then a sermon, then an invitation. Oh, then the Lord's Supper, man, people are checking out. I think it's okay to say, hey, let's do two songs. And instead of a choir special, let's do the Lord's Supper and the service. I, I think incorporating it into the flow of the service brings a lot more meaning to it as well, because it doesn't become something like, oh, here's this dusty old thing that we do. Instead, hey, here's a major part of our service today that I, you know, it, it helps worship become more than just our favorite worship song. And it helps the pastor understand that it's not always about my 45 minute message. Sometimes I'm going to do 15 minutes and move into this time because there's a value and meaning to it that we don't always get. So I think in your worship planning, find a way to put it in your service. Um, and it's OK to give up other elements of your service that day. That's a, that's a really good point. Now, I want to I want to ask another question. and You might can give some insight here because you've served as a youth pastor, and I've never really been in that. And, and, but I think it's one that maybe chair two leaders might have to wrestle with. Should the Lord's Supper be served in, say, a youth meeting or in a backyard life group or Sunday school class meeting? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, so I think on the one hand, I don't think any of us would argue to say, 
hey, at youth group tonight, we're going to do Lord's Supper. We're going to be teaching the kids about the Lord's Supper. I wouldn't argue that in the least bit. Uh, at the same time, I think I just think it's probably a, a cautionary thing because I think it is a church gathering. I think, uh, well, I'm getting, I'm showing my age. I feel like I'm like I'm, I'm about to get into this old uh, fuddy-duddy. But, you know, I think when you bring the kids together, the youth together, all generations together, you're all celebrating uh, the the redeeming work of Christ. And I think there may be times where it's okay to do that. I just think that's the exception rather than the norm. Um, and I know maybe in larger churches, it might be easier to do that just because there are, you know, professional staff sometimes over those areas. But you know what, the churches I've been a part of, I'll, I'll speak to it this way. We, we never did it individually as individual ministries, but I don't think that it's necessarily wrong either. I think it's just got to be uh, really well thought out. What is your purpose behind it? And then again, still connecting this to the overall generational life of the church, I think is really, really important. Uh, so yeah, I, I think on the one hand, nothing wrong with it. I just think it needs to be thought out uh, well. And then what is the messaging behind we're trying to give to them? Yeah, I, I would probably go right where you are, except I'd probably be a little more firm and say, I, I don't think you should do it outside of the gathered church context. That's my personal opinion. Of well, it. and it's and it's a good point because where I struggle with is, I mean, if we look at church discipline in the New Testament, what did they withhold? They withheld communion, right? right? And so if it becomes just a, and, and, and this maybe is back to the point I was mentioning earlier of, yes, let's plan it to be in the worship service. It becomes an element of the worship service, but it is unique, right? It's not like just the singing in the worship service right. it, it does have some other value to it I, I don't feel like i though i'm an ordained minister have been given the authority to baptize or to administer lord's supper in my ordination the church i believe grants me that when it happens that's my take on it you can disagree if you want and you can be wrong no no i don't i <laughs> I, I think i, I think when I think when we do it in non-all generational church gathering, I just think it lends itself to losing what it is. So I think you're right in that. It's the church. It's the body coming together and celebrating yes. with this yes. picture. This, I, I've heard it described as a drama, that it's an acting out of our mm. faith that we come yeah. to, which is a beautiful picture because there is visual, there's there are there are physical elements of it you know it's engaging our senses with taste and smell and feel and right. all those things so there's so much to it I, I would just give this caveat if you as a youth minister or college minister or some other ministry w wanted to do it in your area of ministry proceed slowly like danny said earlier and then for sure you better have your senior leadership on board before you go that way because you could ruffle some feathers and you make sure that they're on board, they agree, and it's, it's, it's the church doing it. It's not you as the youth pastor doing it. It's the church that, that offers this. Yeah, we had a mission team out several years ago, and during the course of that trip, one of their teenagers accepted Christ. Um, and so the parents, it was, I think this teenager came with grandparents or an aunt. It wasn't the mom and dad. Long story short, one of the mission pastors around here is like, hey, I'm going to baptize that kid on Friday. 
I'm like, no, you're not. He's like, no, 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 man. He got saved. I'm going to baptize that kid. And we went back and forth because I was like, A, you are not his pastor. And B, you know, I was thinking, you know, mom and dad need to be on board with this. This needs to be a whole discussion because, again, it's not to go, man, look what happened on this mission trip. It is instead to build up the body of Christ. Like you said, it's this drama that's unfolding. And so I think the Lord's Supper is the same way. It's not just a, hey, you know, it'd be fun. Let's do the Lord's Supper. Instead, hey, how's this going to build the body of Christ? That's right. So good thoughts on that. Man, it's been a fun conversation. We probably could go and dive into a little bit further uh, on some of the elements. There's some other things we didn't talk about, about uh, you know, who can take the Lord's Supper and who should. Oh, yeah. No, I was wondering well, if that was going to get thrown now, out. Let's so. leave that one for the next episode on the Lord's oh, Supper. Like we'll it. talk that later. We'll bring somebody on to talk about that. That's one, right. So. We'll get an expert. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for listening this week to Chair Two Leaders. Like and follow wherever you get your podcast that helps other people find it. Hope to catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair Two Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.